everyone. Thanks for checking out the Citizens Podcast. We are the high school student ministry at Maranatha Bible Church, and we meet on Sundays at 11 a.m. in the student wing. If you enjoy this podcast, we would love it if you posted it on your Instagram story and tag at NBC Citizens. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy. My name is Jacob. I am the middle school pastor here at Maranatha. If you've not yet met me, that's fine. But my name is Jacob. What's up, man? What's up? But cool. Sweet. So yeah, my name is Jacob. We're happy you guys are here today. We're going to be in Micah 6, verses 6 to 8. But before we begin, let's open up in a word of prayer. So let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for letting us be able to get together, be able to dive into your word, and letting us be able to worship you without fear of persecution, without fear of the police coming in here and tearing us down, Lord. Lord, thank you for the boldness that we can have in you. Lord, I pray as we open up your word, as we learn more about you, that you will soften our hearts, that it would be applicable to us, and we will be able to utilize it in our lives this week. I pray that you keep us free of distractions, free from distractions of ourselves and distractions of others, Lord. We thank you. We love you. Heavenly Son's name, amen. Amen, amen. So let me start it off with a question. How many of you guys have gotten in trouble for lying to your parents, saying you're going to do something, but then you did something else. So you told your parents, hey, I'm going to do this, right? But then did something completely different, and then your parents found out, and you got in a ton of trouble. Has that happened to any of you guys? Wow, you guys are, this is a good bunch. I didn't realize you guys were so respectful of your parents. All right, so let me, t- let me share you guys a story of a time that I didn't do this. It's the year 2011. It's April. And me and my friends, we were going to see a movie, a new Jake Gyllenhaal movie just came out by the name of Source Code. Have any of you guys seen the movie Source Code? Exactly, exactly. It was, it's a decent movie. It's kind of like a time thriller where like he goes back in time. He has to save a bomb from blowing up a train, right? And so like he, re, he relives the day repeatedly. It was an interesting movie, right? But it was rated PG-13. Well, I was 13 at the time. I still had to ask my parents for permission to watch a PG-13 movie. Even though I was 13, I I, I didn't understand why I wasn't allowed to watch it, but it was the rules, rules are rules. So I told my parents, you know what? Me and my friends, we're gonna go see a movie. Uh, We're gonna go see Rio. Have have any of you guys seen Rio? Great movie, right? Awesome movie, loved the movie. But I told my parents, hey, we're gonna go see Rio, but once we got to the theater, we're at the desk, we're paying for our tickets. They say, what movie are you going to see? We did not say Rio, we said source code. We're gonna see source code. Awesome, good movie, I enjoyed it. It was a good movie, I liked it. If you don't like it, that's fine, I enjoyed it. Next week comes youth group, we're at youth group, we're hanging out at the end, and me and my friends were talking about the movie, talking about what we liked from it, what we didn't like from it, 
my parents are listening. Like, wait a minute. That's not that movie about the birds that fell in love. That's not the movie. You lied to me. You went to see a different movie. And then they looked it up, looked at the rating, and they're, they're like, are you serious? Are you serious? They were so mad at me. And you know what? I'm going to be honest. I was a pretty good kid growing up. I, I didn't get in trouble. But I got in trouble that day. My parents were mad. They grounded me saying, you're not hanging out with anyone for a couple weeks. You're not doing anything. You're just going to stay home, and you're just going to be by yourself. And so me, trying to be a good son, I try to make things right. So I start doing the dishes more often. I start, I start trying to make things right. And if you know anything about my family, which you don't, which is fine, but we hate doing the dishes. That's the one thing me and my siblings would fight about constantly, is doing the dishes. And so I, I decide, you know what, I'll do the dishes. I'll, I'll try to make things right. I'll do the dishes. I'll clean up my room. I'll, I'll do this. I'll do that. I'll do all these chores that no one else wants to do because I am trying to make things right. I'm trying to mitigate my punishment, trying to stop being in trouble, stop being grounded, right? When really I should have just sucked it up and just realized there's nothing I can do because doing the dishes, doing all these things, it didn't help at all. I was still grounded. I was still not allowed to see my friends. So moral of that story, don't lie to your parents, right? Don't lie to your parents. But this is something similar that the Israelites did. So I did that. I tied it in, right? This is similar to what the Israelites did, right? In Micah, where the Israelites, if you know anything about their relationship with the Lord, it was almost, almost fickle, right? It was almost fickle. They, they spent years abandoning God, and then they spent years worshiping God, abandoning, worshiping, abandoning, worshiping. It was a vicious cycle, right? And at this point where Micah is talking to them, they're asking God, God, how can we make things right? What, what can we do? And that's what we're going to talk about today. So Micah 6, verses 6 to 8. It's going to be up on the screen. I didn't realize how small it was when I was making it. I apologize, but it's up on the screen if you can read it. It says, With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? And then this is the reply. He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? Right, so here we have the Israelites there. They're trying to make things right there. They're asking, what can we do to worship you? What can we do to make things right? And they start listing off all these things, right? Saying, shall we do burnt offerings? Shall we give you 10,000 rams and 10,000 rivers of oil? Right? Shall we give our firstborns, which was egregious because a couple chapters before, he talks about, how it's a sin to do child sacrifice, right? And so they're saying, shall we give our firstborns or shall we give the fruit of our bodies? 
right? The Israelites here, they're looking for ritualistic activities. They're looking for ritualistic things to make things right. And if you notice, their focus is on external things, right? The focus is on external things. What can we do outside of us to make things right? What can we do to glorify you? Or what can we do to make things right in our life without changing anything on the inside? It's all ritualistic. It's all external things. Sometimes we're similar, right? Sometimes we're similar in that aspect where we do ritualistic things, where we do things just because it's the right thing to do, right? We go to church, we practice communion, we get baptized because we are told this is the right thing to do, right? But these things that we are doing, right, we take communion, we're baptized. These things are an outward expression of what is happening on the inside side. An outward expression of what is happening on the inside. We do these things not because it's the right thing, but we do it because it is an outward expression of the Lord working on the inside. Right. And people that are always trying to get back into God's good graces, right? Just like how I was trying to make things right with my parents as I was doing these chores, doing all these extra things, right? People are always trying to get back into God's good graces because they feel like they've left God's good graces, right? But simply the best way and the only way and the only solution, right, is to accept God's grace for us. Romans 12, verses 1 to 2. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. To present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship, through accepting God's grace. Some of the stuff that the Israelites are offering are expensive gifts, right? In one of the ones was a year-old calf. A year-old calf was the most expensive, or one of the most expensive offerings that you could give, right? Because they had to care for the calf for a whole year, right? It took a lot of time. It took a lot of effort to care for him, right? So the calf was one of the most expensive offerings that could have been given, right? 10,000 rams, 10,000 rivers of oils, that stuff's not cheap. Rams aren't cheap. Oil is not cheap, right? These are expensive things, but God doesn't care about these expensive offerings, right? He doesn't care, once again, about the outward. He cares about the inward. He cares about what's happening on the inside. Luke 21, 1 to 4 tells us, says, Jesus looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the offering box. 
And he saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins. And he said, truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them. Right? For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. God doesn't care about expensive offerings, right? The Israelites, they continue to grow in complexity and grow in the quantity of their offerings, but they fail to see their inability to produce a quality offering, right? They're so focused on the quantity that they fail to produce a quality offering, right? Where the quality offering was a change in their heart. The quality offering was what's happening on the inside. They failed to produce a quality offering. At 1 Samuel 15, 22, it tells us, and Samuel said, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, right? And to listen than the fruit of rams, or the fat of lambs, sorry. Where it is better to obey the word of God, it's better to obey the Lord than to practice these ritualistic offerings, right? It's better for them to obey than to practice these ritualistic offerings, right? While the Lord did ask for the Israelites to practice in these offerings, right? He did tell them to practice offerings, to, to give these things up to him, right? But once again, it wasn't for, to save them. It wasn't to save them. It was to be a outward expression of what is happening on the inside. The act of worship, right, the Lord was looking for was a change of heart. Right? He was looking for a change on the inside, a change in the heart. Because right? the heart change in behavior, it would lead to an outpouring of justice. It would lead to an outpouring of love. and would lead to an outpouring of humility. And that's where we're going to stick on for the rest of the message. We're going to stick on the last three words that Micah told to the Israelites. Just be just love kindness, and walk humbly with the Lord. So we're going to start off with justice. Be just. Be just. Cool, right? Right? Treating others in a way that honors and glorifies God. Right? Once again, I'll say it again. Treating others in a way that honors and glorifies God. Right? And the call that is being given is not to be just, right? but is to do justice, to be actively in a position of justice, to where you are doing the right thing. Right? You're treating others constantly in a way that honors and glorifies God, right? where we practice justice in all that we do. We treat others fairly. We treat others justly in all circumstances. Right? For being just is one of the many attributes of 
God, right? God is just, God is righteous, and we strive to be like Christ. We strive to be like him, so we practice these things. We practice being justice. We practice being justice because that is what God is like, and we want to be like Christ, right? We want to be like him, right? It takes the idea of what can I do to better serve myself? What can I do to build myself up, right? And takes the idea and puts it on to others, right? What can I do to serve those around me better, right? What can I do to lift those around me up? What can I do to serve them better, right? Sometimes that may mean putting our comforts aside, right? Let's say you have a couple dollars and you see someone on the street who needs some money, right? And so you are gonna use that money to pay for your Starbucks latte or for your latte from whatever coffee shop you go to, right? But instead you, you handed that money over to the person who needed money, right? Getting rid of your comfort so that you could better serve others, right? And God, he is most concerned with those who are most vulnerable, right? He's most concerned with those who are vulnerable and those who can be easily taken advantage of, right? And those who could be easily wronged, right? Where he talks about serving the orphans and serving the widows, right? Those are people who could be easily taken advantage of and we are told to help those who are, being, who are easily taken advantage of, right? And we are to have an active role in aiding and helping those who are vulnerable. We have an active role, right? Not just when we see someone struggling, turn the blind eye and just walk away because we're uncomfortable, because we don't want to deal with it, right? But have an active role in aiding, have an active role in helping, seeking those out to help them. Proverbs 14, 31 says, Whoever oppresses a poor man insults his maker, but he who is generous to the needy honors him. I know here at Maranatha, we have a ton of, ton of people that attend here that do do this, right? They are actively seeking to help out those who are vulnerable. They are actively seeking to help out those who are orphans, those who are widows. I know we have these programs, right? But it's not just for the older generation, the older people to be helping people out, right? We still have a responsibility. We still have a responsibility to help out those who are most vulnerable. It's still a call to us, not just for those who are older, right? It's still something that we should be seeking out and doing, helping out those who are most vulnerable, right? Treating others in a way that is honoring and glorifying to God. So he talks about being just. The next part that, that he talks about is loving kindness, to be kind, right? This kindness is the idea of faithful love in action, right? It's not just showing kindness, it's not just being kindness, but it's loving to show kindness. All right, I'll say that again. It's not just showing kindness or being kindness, but loving to show kindness, right? Because we are so full, full of the Lord's mercy and grace to where it doesn't even phase us to show kindness, right? It just becomes a part of who we are. To love others in the same way that Christ has loved us. 
an unconditional type of love, right? An unconditional type of love to where they could do whatever they do. It doesn't matter. You are still going to love them because Christ loved us, right? Where we, we know how dirty and how rotten we are. We know how disrespectful we have been to God, but yet God still loves us even though we commit sins, even though we are disrespectful and gross to him, right? He still loves us no matter what we've done to him, right? So why shouldn't we have that same mindset, right? If we're striving to be like him, why don't we have that mindset of an unconditional type of love? John 15, 12, in the first part, it says, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Right? It's not simply enough for us to do good deeds, right? but to love as we are doing good deeds. As I was researching this, I came up upon a quote. I don't remember who it was from, right? but it says, the man who does good but does not love is not a good man. I'll say that again. The man who does good but does not love is not a good man. Doing these just deeds, doing these good things, right? We are to do it with a motive of love, right? Many people complete that first portion of being just, treating others correctly. Many people complete that, right? But many people lack the love that is important, the love that is needed, Right? They do these things out of their own merit. They do these things to make themselves feel good. Right? To put themselves on a pedestal and say, hey, look at what I did. Look, look how I helped this person out. Like you see people on YouTube where they're taking videos or TikTok where they're taking videos where they're handing money to the, to the poor. Like, look at me. Look at what I did. Right? But they're not doing that out of love. They're doing that out of their own merit to make themselves feel better, to make themselves feel good, right? They expect some cosmic blessing to come upon them because of what they are doing, right? They expect their world to become great, all rainbows and sunshine, because look at me, look how I helped this person. Let me feel it, let me, let me feel the love, right? But sometimes, or not sometimes, oftentimes, they are going to be put in a spot where they're going to need to receive the exact same love or the exact same things that they give, right? They're going to need to receive these things. They may be put in a spot where they're at their low. They're at the bottom of the barrel where their life is a mess, right? And what they need, they don't need someone who's just going to give them money, Right? They don't need someone who's just going to do something good for them. No, what they need is someone to help them out in a manner of love. Because the person that helps out in a manner of love, it's not just going to end there. Right? They're not just going to end with that good deed. They're going to follow up. They're con- going to continually help out. They're con- going to continually be there for them and help them out because of the unconditional love that they have for them, right? We have been given the ability to help others, not for our sake, 
right? But we have been given the ability to help others for the sake of others. I'll say that again. We have been given the ability to help others, not for our sake, but for the sake of others. Proverbs 3, 27 says, do not withhold good from those whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. So he talks about being just, doing good things, uh, doing things that are right. Then he talks about kindness, loving kindness, and loving others in kindness. And the last thing he talks about is being humble, right? Walking humbly with the Lord. Someone who exemplifies this idea of humility, I think perfectly, of walking in humility is the Apostle Paul. Right, the Apostle Paul, he often referred to himself as the least of the apostles right, and the chief of sinners. Right? He knew how, how dirty and how rotten he, he was. He knew what his past was like where he was murdering Christians. He was murdering people. Right? He knew that he was the chief of sinners. He knew how gross he was. Right? but he knew and understand that the Lord still was able to use him. And to the point where Paul pretty much wrote half of the New Testament. I think it's just a little bit less than half of the New Testament that Paul wrote. Right? Paul, he understood how grave his sin was. Right? And he knew that his sin couldn't be forgiven on his own. Right? And he constantly reminded himself of the grace of that was shown to him. First Peter 5, 5 tells us, it says, Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe, clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another. Right? For God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Right? Humility, it's not in action. It's not something we do, but humility is rather a mindset. Right, I was scrolling through Facebook yesterday because I'm old and that's what I scroll through is Facebook, right? And I saw a post from this kid in high school, right, who owns like an investment company. I don't even know what he does, right? I think it's an investment company. But he's, he's on there bragging about all this money he's making. He's making millions of dollars. He's making million-dollar deals. He's doing all this. He's doing all that. And then he always ends his post and always ends it with, but stay humble. Be humble. It's like, wait a minute. Weren't you just bragging about all this money you're making? Weren't you just bragging about all these things your company is doing? Right? And you're saying stay humble. Don't you see the, what's the word I'm looking for? What's the word? The irony. There you go. Thank you. Thank you. Don't you see the irony of it? Right? You're saying, I'm making all this money. Look at me. I'm doing great. And he's saying, but stay humble, man. Stay humble, king. Do this, do that. Stay humble. It's like, all right. All right. Come on. Right? These people they're prideful, they're arrogant, they don't see the truth of humility, right? And then the other side of humility that people often associate it with, right, is almost being mean to yourself, right? Being mean to yourself, thinking less of yourself, right? I, I think often to sports, because I played sports growing up, and my mind goes to sport, 
sports, I think of getting a good hit in baseball, right? Yep, yep, yep. Getting a good, a good hit in baseball and then having your teammates say, hey, man, nice hit. That was great. And then replying with, ah, it, it wasn't that good. You see David's hit, though? David's hit was great. I'll never compare to David. It's like, that's not humility. That's a false sense of humility. Spurgeon, he describes humility as thinking rightly of yourself, not meanly, right? This is a false sense of humility, right? Humility isn't thinking less of yourself, but it is thinking of yourself less. Matthew 5, 16, it tells us this. It says, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. All right, so we walk humbly and we stay humbly. We, we practice justice. We practice loving kindness. We practice walking with humility, not for our good works to be shown and to glorify ourselves and to make ourselves more, bigger, whatever you want to say. No, we do these things, right, for the glory of God who is in heaven, for our Father who is in heaven. We practice these things not for our sake, right? We practice these things not for our sake, but for the sake of our God who is in heaven. Right? We practice these things not because it is the right thing to do, but our goal is to practice these things because we love to do the right thing. Not because it's the right thing, but because we love to do the right thing. Because as we strive to be imitators of Christ, right, the right thing doesn't even seem like an option to us doesn't even seem like an option to us because it is the only choice for us to do, right? We don't have a moral dilemma of whether we should do this or that. Or that. No, it becomes the only choice in our minds, right? Because we are striving to be like Christ. Dr. Thomas Constable, I read his commentaries all the time, right? But he says this, He says, doing justice towards other people demands loving kindness, right? Which necessitates walking humbly in fellowship with God, right? So doing justice, doing these right things, I don't know why I'm holding this, but doing these right things, right? It demands loving kindness and loving kindness necessitates walking humbly with God, right? So it all starts from that last little piece, Right? It doesn't start from doing just things or loving kindness. No, it all starts from that last part, walking humbly with God, walking humbly with the Lord. And when we walk humbly with the Lord, we're able to love others in kindness. We're able to do good deeds. We're able to be just and do the right thing, treat others the correct way. And it all stems from that first part or that last portion, walking humbly with the Lord. As we wrap up here, if that's something that you have no idea 
what, what that is. You have no idea what that means to walk humbly with the Lord. You have no idea what it means to have a personal relationship with the Lord. You might be saying to yourself, or saying, Jacob, why would I want to do good deeds for the Father? Why would I want to do good deeds for God who is in heaven? Right? If that's you sitting there today, please do not hesitate to come up, talk to me, talk to one of the many leaders that are here today, and we would love to talk to you about what that means, what a relationship with God is. Right? We would love to talk to you about that today. But for the rest of you, for the rest of you, are you doing these deeds, right? Are you walking humbly with the Lord? Are you loving kindness? Are you practicing justice simply because you feel like it's the right thing to do, right? Are you practicing, practicing these things because of the love you have for the Father. So as you go from here, as you leave this week, as we depart, think about these things. Think about your relationship with the Lord, right? Are you doing these things because you feel like you are in trouble, because you're trying to get back into the good graces of God? And we don't have to because we already stated that all we have to do is accept his grace. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for letting us be able to get together and be able to talk about your word, talk about what Micah is leaving the Israelites with. Lord, I pray for ourselves that it would be a challenge to us. Lord, that we are loving others, that we are practicing these good deeds, right? Not because it's the right thing to do, but we're practicing these things because of the love that we have for others, for the love that we have for you. Lord, I want to pray for these students as they depart from here, as they go about their lives this week, that they are thinking about these things. They are thinking about their relationship with you and thinking about how best they can serve you and serve those who are around them. Lord, we thank you. We love you. In your humble name, amen.